And we're back. Episode five, season one, Pie to Pie with Sean from Secret Pizza LA. What an amazing dude. Not only an amazing dude, but an incredible pizziaiolo. Sean's been cooking up 18 inch fire ass pizzas in his home oven since 2020, off and on doing pre-orders. Sean moved into his own space in 2022, I believe this summer, and has still continued to do pre-orders and operate in a similar way that he was out of his apartment during the pandemic. Sean has been recognized by Eater, Infatuation, and had a beautiful write-up in the LA Times a couple weeks after opening his brick and mortar. He's also one of the kindest, gentlest, most giving, sharing person that I've ever met. I actually met Sean uh, testing out a Pizza Master MPM oven out in Irwindale. Um, he was out there too, checking out the oven. Just a sweet man. We sat down, we had a great conversation. Uh, I was getting over a sickness and I had forgotten his gift, which it's been, I think, a month or two. Sean, I have your gift, it's right here. This New Jersey homesick scented candle. I'll tell you this right now, my wife's from Jersey. It doesn't smell anything like New Jersey, but I have your gift. I'm sorry, I forgot it that day. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I had having it. Sean of Secret Pizza LA, I hope you enjoy. Love you, Sean. Ladies and gents, big, big one today. I'm with Sean from Secret Pizza LA. I've been trying to make this happen for months and months. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. I'm very excited. You know the rules, 15 questions, about one minute to answer. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. What attracted you to pizza ultimately and who is responsible for teaching you how to do it? I can't remember not loving pizza. Like I just like as far back as I can think, it's always been like the food that would be most exciting to me. I liked going around and eating. Like I would go on little pilgrimages to like, you know, DeFaro or like Potonos or like, you know, whatever. I grew up in Jersey, by the way. So that's why those are pil pilgrimages. And then making it, at first it was just like trial and error. It was like, okay, I'll buy a dough at the like pizza place down the street and like have some sauce from meatballs and like buy a block of mozzarella at the grocery store or something. And, and that was like, not good, but it worked kinda. And then I was like, well, I wanna learn to make dough. And so poking around the internet, pizzamaking.com was huge for learning to make dough. Also like on there, figured out where to buy things that like people from restaurants buy, like that were open to the public. And um, so yeah, I largely learned from just like watching people at places I would go, um, you know, order a couple slices watch them do the thing. And then I'd be like, oh, why did they do that? And then go home and try that the next time. It was just like a gradual process over years. So you never worked at a pizzeria? Sadly, I've never. Holy I'm shit. I'm so sad that about is, it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's incredible. So you are a self-taught made man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day you're learning. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. What kind of flour do you use and why? Mm. The only thing I'm like strict about with the flour is I'm always using either high gluten or bread flours. Like that's the, that's like the rule. Um, and the reason why, and, and I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I've literally never made 
pizza with anything but those. So maybe I would make a pizza and be like, oh, it works yeah. with like, you know, AP flour or something like that. Um, but the why is just um, my understanding about flour and dough, you know, and like sort of the, the bit of science that I've like read about is that for the style I grew up with in Jersey and New York and all that, you you are stretching it to kind of a big size and you want it to have that like thinness and flexibility and a little bit of chewiness. And everything I heard was like, okay, the higher the protein, the more you're gonna get that like result. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. What is the thing that keeps you motivated every day? I am the kind of person that like really enjoys seeing progress. I want something to be moving towards improvement. How often are you tweaking your dough? Usually all of the batches that I'll do in a week, I'll do the same way. And then the next week I'll kind of say like, okay, what seems like it should, where, where, where do I want to go next? Yeah, where's the, wh where do we tweak? Where, yeah. where do we improve? Okay. Mm -hmm. What is one lesson you can share from the biggest failure you've had thus far in your pizza career? I can't think of like one standout biggest failure that's clearly it, but I feel like the thing that I noticed that's in common with most failures are just like something went wrong. I remember one time I, I turned around with a pizza and it was just, it just like slid off into the hot door and just like cheese and sauce all over the door, pizza's on the floor. And it's like, okay, so I need to be mindful about how I'm moving or like, my first uh, deck oven burn on the, the top bite. of my hand. Yeah. It was just like a little bump on the top of the, the oven. And it's like, same, same thing. It's like, okay, I have to just like take my time a little bit and like pay more attention and just be more like aware. Any other like failure that I can think of, like say there was something, um, you know, with like a customer who wasn't happy with something and it's like, that maybe I needed to pay a little more attention to what was going into the box or something to, you know, get ahead of something that they didn't like. Maybe I wouldn't have seen it that way or not, but like either way, it's yeah. like, I feel like just uh, awareness is sort of like the thing I keep coming back to. Um, I remember we talked once about a customer where I was frustrated yeah. and it was just like, oh yeah, I, I got a little bit like frustrated yeah. and like maybe I need to be a little more aware of like how I'm feeling about like, you know, someone's reaction to something. Okay, so I'm gonna have to read this because I don't wanna fuck this question up. <laughs> uh, you bought a second generation restaurant. What was the toughest part about negotiations of the lease and how much money do you think you need to open a pizza shop in Los Angeles? Mm. Two part question. Two part question. What was really fortunate was like last March, I decided to go to the expo in Vegas. Wonderful gentleman whose name escapes me at the moment was doing a talk on lease negotiation, like commercial lease negotiations was just the generalized topic. And, um, you know, you have a room full of people asking relevant questions to their own experiences with their own leases. Like, oh, I had this fire and I didn't have a clause about like fires. So like, you know, that kind of stuff help having help is a big deal because it's just not a skill that i had any you know experience with yeah yeah was there was there anything though that you had to actually negotiate for people to look out for like hey this is what was really important to mm -hmm. make sure that you cover your ass is it fire is it is it a yeah. covid clause mm -hmm. is it how do you protect yourself there were certain things that like i knew i wanted from like going to that talk and one of them was it was one of the other speakers said he once didn't get a right of first refusal for like when the owner of the building wanted to sell yeah. and he really regretted it because he had it on his other leases. 
And it was just like, you know, I'm not in a position where if the owner decided to sell, I could buy the building. But maybe one day I could be. Yeah, put it in there. So yeah, just asking for little things like that, that other people said that w- was important to them. I There were things I didn't get. Like I remember someone said, get a COVID clause and the landlord was not cool with that. And like, I was like, you know what? Like I've got my insurance. I've got other avenues. Okay. I don't get everything, but like there were a number of things that were like the right of first refusal. I remember he was like, sure, no problem. The lawyer who was helping me go through the, you know, contract, there were things that like, he was like alerted to, was like, Ooh, this seems a little iffy. And like, you know, ask for these changes and like that he was like agreeable to that stuff. So yeah, I definitely think like, uh, just, getting a sense of what it is that you want is, is a good part of that. And I think adding the fact that like, you should definitely probably have a lawyer. I think that was very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then for the second part of the question, yeah. How much do you think? Yeah. You know, I would say like that the, this was a number that was told to me. Uh, Paulie G told me this. He said 250,000 was like sort of what you need. I think he's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great number. And I wouldn't go that much lower than that as like the bare minimum. I would say like 250, I'm sorry, 200 yeah. or would be like doable probably depending on things. In some cases, maybe you could get by with 25 or 50,000 less than that. Mm-hmm. But it also depends on your personality, like how much tolerance you have for like the stress of, you know, knowing things are close to running out or something like that. And then like, do you have any other avenues like, if you were to run out of money, is there like a path forward or something like that? Yeah. So like, I think when you're getting close to that, like what's the bare minimum I could use, you need to ask some questions to yourself about those things. Well that, said. Yeah. Well said. Okay. How do you define success? I had the great fortune of getting like a good review and I was like, well, that's cool. That's never, you know, happened. And like, it, it, it's something that like, I know sometimes people are like chasing after that. And as grateful as I am for it, I realized pretty quickly that like, if I were to just keep trying to get good reviews, I don't think it would be very successful feeling to me. It's like something you have no control over. And it's just, you know, you're going to get bad reviews too. Mm -hmm. And um, for success for me, it's sort of that comes back to that like progress thing. It's sort of like, okay, I look at back at what I used to be doing. I'm like, well, it's a lot better now. Like I look back at like the first pictures on my Instagram. I'm like, well, that's good to see that it's like a pizza I'm more proud of now. Or like in the case of like being in this new space compared to where I started, it's like I can do more than I used to be able to do. And I don't like and I feel like I've pushed the quality forward rather than like, oh, I'm doing more. But now it's all trash. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I really feel like I'm the kind of person that like competes with themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I guess success is just feeling like I'm getting a little bit better. When you started making pizzas in your apartment during the pandemic, did you envision being here three years later? No. Like not at all. No. Like there I, wasn't when I first started doing it and actually made the decision to like open it up to the public a little bit and like, you know, kind of make an Instagram and all that. I genuinely was like, yeah, this will probably like be something I do twice and then it fizzles out and then that's that. That's really like the expectation I had. Were you making pizza like this like out in Jersey? I went from that stage of like buying a dough from the pizza place down the street 
and like trying to cook what was probably like a 20 inch pizza dough on like a little target pizza stone that was like 15 inches and hating the results. I went from that to like um, learning to make dough, uh, you know, from pizzamaking.com and some of those other things online that I found resources at the time. It was like 2010. So there was some YouTube stuff, but not like there is today. The first time I made dough and like got like a slab of soapstone to bake on and just like used different ingredients, you know, got my Stanislas from the local place. Mm -hmm. And it was like, um, it was already instantly like just so much better than anything I had done before. So for the next like nine or so years that I was living there in Jersey, I would make pizza a few times a year. I'd make a dozen pies for a party. Like we'd have people over. And um, I was always doing 18 inches because it fit in the oven. And that's what I was interested in. It was like, I was always making a big one. And I was always, except for like the very first time where I was using like a fresh moots and trying to do sort of like a coal oven-esque thing. After I discovered that I could make something that was more like a regular pie and and have it come out good, that kind of became fun for me. So I always was just doing that. And um, yeah, I'd make pizzas, you know, 30, 30 pizzas a year, probably like three times a year or something like that, like, or 10 pizzas a time. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, well, just th things have changed. Yeah, yeah. It was like mid 2020, I would make like five or six pizzas because I didn't want to run the oven in the summer in LA without yeah. like, having something to show for it and wow. like give it share it around so i would make them for friends and eventually it became like oh why don't you sell these why don't you like make an instagram or do that i thought it was like a new idea but i discovered very quickly that there were many other people who had been doing it since like april or before yeah. and i was like oh well i'm glad that there's a precedent you know that there's like kind of a community of people doing this yeah uh, within the first few weeks in your brick and mortar here, you were written up in LA Times, best slice in the city. What does that do for your confidence, your business, and how you operate in the future? Mm. It's like a boost to your confidence in a way, because it's like, if you don't think that's happening, and then it happens, you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, I guess he liked it. And I also didn't have a budget for a publicist which was recommended to me by, you know, some smart people, like get a publicist, get some press. And like, I just didn't have the money, so I didn't do it. So it felt more like legit. I was like, oh, he actually liked this pizza. You know, that wasn't like just because I paid someone. So yeah, it was a it was a confidence boost. But it's also like, I was aware that okay, now people are going to have like a certain expectation or something. So it really just kind of set me back to where I was, where it was like, I felt good about it, but I was also like, well, I got to keep working. Wasn't there another piggyback article about, was it the 10 best slices? And then one of the, he, he rewrote an article about the best things he ate in 2022. Yeah. And yeah. You, you were, and you were on, the, on yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah. So, so exactly. So he did like 10 new pizza places in LA and, and ranked them. And that was like in August. Um, and I immediately, did get an influx of people. I was like, I'm going to do the most pizzas I've ever done. I was still totally by myself. And I was, and then I got COVID like a couple of, I like, remember that. In between, like a, was that a week or two after it? Like the article came out, I took orders. And before I could even finish making dough, like I had made one batch of dough. And I was like, well, now I have to drive home all tired because I, I'm not going to like make dough with COVID. You know, it, yeah. it was, then as you said, at the end of the year, he did like a year review. I think it was like, 
12 things he ate or, or, or something. Um, he b- being Bill Addison yeah. from the LA Times. Big deal. Uh, yeah, great guy. Um, and what I loved the most was it was all these beautifully plated dishes and then like a slice on a paper plate. And I was like, well, that feels good. Fuck and, yeah, like, dude. He, he included something a little more uh, for the people. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. So the day it came out, I'm like scrolling through it. And I'm like, oh, I haven't seen my name yet. And, you know, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean, it wasn't even my, I was fucking excited. I was yeah. like, dude, this is the greatest thing that could really happen to somebody that just opened. Yeah, what, yeah. Was it, had you been open a month? Uh, yeah, about a month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no, it was crazy. It yeah. was. I mean, genuinely. Yeah. What is the greatest band of all time and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so hard. Oh, my God. I'm going to say Nirvana. Okay. Cool. And, and part of it's because of your hat. Which is just you know giving uh, like evoking the font and and design, but it's also like going back to my childhood, like one of the first bands that I saw on MTV that was just like oh wait like what's going on here like this was before I picked up guitar and uh, kind of led me to that down that path more so you go with Nirvana dude they are definitely one of the greatest yeah they're one of the greats great I'm glad we got an answer out of you thank you for that one. <laughs> Okay, so you have a brick and mortar, and your business model is still pre-orders. Yeah. How is this beneficial? Mm-hmm. Would you recommend this model to, um, would you recommend this model? And is this the way that you foresee yourself operating like forever or for a long time in the future? I don't know for the last part, like if I see this continuing for like forever or not. Um, the The funny thing about it is that like, I've expected more people who like know the pizza industry and have experience to be like, that's terrible. And like, you know, kind of shitting on it. Like, that's what I expected. And my experience has been kind of the opposite where like, I'll talk to some people like, uh, or just hear people like, uh, like Bruce Irving from the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I've heard him say on multiple episodes, he was like, I don't think I'd ever get back in the pizza game, but if I did, it would be like a simple menu with only pizzas and I do it all pre-order so there's no way. And like, I hear that, I'm like, oh, okay. And um, I was just mentioning to you that my landlord actually opened this pizza place like eight years ago and uh, we were chatting yesterday and he was saying the same thing. Like, he's like, you know, the way you're doing it, it's really smart because of X, Y, Z. Nino Caniglio from... Caniglio's and Williamsburg Pizza, et cetera, et cetera. He is someone who I talked to and he was supportive of the idea. And I was so ready for him to just like tell me how dumb I was for, for approaching it that way. It was hilarious because uh, I was expecting a call from my friend. So I like answered the phone in this like goofy voice because it was an unknown New York number. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, this is Nino uh, Caniglio from, you know, Mastro Pizza Ovens. Yeah. I'm calling for Sean. I was like, oh shit, Nino, you're like a celebrity to me. Like, I listen to your podcast all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. your people. But anyway, uh, you know, having having that, like, kind of support from people who know what they're doing yeah. and talking about gave me a little bit more of a, like, oh, well, maybe I don't, like, I guess originally I was like, oh, I'm going to have to move away from this. I'm going to have to do something different whenever. I mean, I wasn't going to go away from it immediately. But now that I've, like, heard more people kind of, like, legitimize it. I think um, it's definitely something I'll be sticking with for the near term. 
And as I figure out just like my processes here, I've been like growing and developing since last July when I first sold pizza here. The benefits you asked about, like it's great to know how much stuff to buy uh, ahead of time. It's like, I understand that most people don't get paid before they make the food. And I can see how that's beneficial, even though that's all I've ever done. Like there's definite benefits in terms of waste and like cash flow, I would say. You do get some people who don't like it, but I think that there's also just like this thing that happens where it's like, if someone's going to bother to do it, they're probably a little bit more interested in what you're doing and bringing to the table anyway, whether that's pizza or something else, like you have to kind of care about the pizza to like, be like, all right, I'm going to like do this a few days, you know, three, four five days in advance, like put an order in for pizza. Um, and sort of plan around it. And it's like, I didn't do that because I wanted that. I did it because I was working with like a crappy apartment oven. Yeah. And then I did it because I was by myself in here. And at this point, you know, I've got a little bit of help, but it's still sort of just like allows me to structure things in a way that makes sense. Little by little, I might add in more sort of like walk up and on demand options and things. As of right now, I don't have any plans to like eliminate the, the pre-orders. Is there a negative? Because you eliminate really, you get to touch every single pizza that comes out of the oven, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you don't really have to have a, a buttload of employees. Mm-hmm. You always know how much money you're gonna have to put in and what you're getting out. Mm-hmm. And then as long as orders are filling up, everything's good. And then you kind of create this hype. I guess the biggest negative is like the people who get mad about it. Like there are people who are like, like I had someone uh, leave a review on Google business once that was like, you have to order in advance and it's like, crazy and they sell out and you know i've had like times where it did sell out really fast because the platform that i use to um sell the pizzas has an option where you if you're a customer you could say like oh text me when sales go live and the first time it ever i had that turned on things sold out in like two minutes because i was i think i had like i don't know somewhere between 100 and 150 pizzas that week and they went very quickly because it was soon after la times and all that So that was like a lot of people complaining. So the negative I would say is that sometimes people are just not used to that. There were sometimes early, early on in here when I was on my own and just like really just doing pre-orders where someone in the neighborhood just came in out out of nowhere and like they didn't know what I was doing and I was sold out of dough for the night already. So I had to kind of, you know, those are the negatives. Um, But, you know, I've been trying to find ways to like accommodate those people in the modern, you know, now that I'm not like brand new in this space, I've been trying to work around that. What is one piece of equipment or one ingredient that you could not live without? Mm. I mixed dough by hand for the first year and a half of doing this. And I... I, I know Anthony Mangieri is like, oh, I still like to just do it sometimes just to keep it like if I never mixed dough by hand again, I wouldn't be mad about it. So I'm going to say my mixer. Yes. Yeah, I would. I would say that's something I don't want to live without. Is there a certain type of mixer that you'd recommend? So I've used two mixers in my whole life. One was a like 20 or 30. It was a small Hobart at, um, a, at a, a friend's kitchen. And that was cool because I had never used a mixer before. Um, and then the only other mixer I've used is the one here, which is like a, a spiral 
I think it's like 44 kilogram capacity or something like that. Who or what has been your greatest inspiration? Hmm. There's this like old school slice and pie tradition that you see in like all of, like I'm from North Jersey. So like there and throughout like the boroughs, Long Island and stuff, you just have these like mom and pop places that might be run by like, you know, a brother and a sister or like, you know, maybe it's a bigger team if it's like, you know, a high volume New York place. But just like you get these people and they just make something good. It's simple. They care about it. And it's like food I love. And I feel like that like uh, that tradition is the whole point to me. You know, it's like they just make this good thing. And that's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I think, the inspiration behind it. What makes you so good at what you do? Um, I don't think I'm that good at what I do. I think that helps. I feel like that's like, I've heard like Nino say like, you know, if you think you're like making the best pizza, like you've already lost. Like he's always trying to get better and, he, you know, he's a lot better at pizza than I. I feel like if you're, if you're just like realistic and you know that like there's a lot to learn always, uh, then, then you stand a chance at maybe being good. So if there's something that makes me so good, so as you said, I, I guess it's that I'm like trying to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Always improving. Yeah, trying yeah. for that. Yeah. It all comes back to that. That's all I got. That was a wonderful interview. Thank you. Again, thank you for doing this. Where do we go to talk to you, to order? How does it work? Yeah, yeah. So how do, uh, we, how do we get in touch? Right now there's two places. There's Instagram, Secret Pizza LA. And then there's uh, a website that's very, very basic. I made it in about one hour. It's uh, secretpizzala.com. And those are the two places that you can, uh, you know, order from or reach out to me if you got questions or whatever. Well, thank you again for doing this. I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. Much love. Yeah, man. I wanna know.